1: Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This episode of The Sharon Tapes was made possible by our supporters on Patreon. Jason Carmichael, Toby Tenkit, Jennifer Jackson, and Brenda. If you'd like to support the show as well, please go to patreon.com slash homesteadcorner. For as little as $5 a month, you get early access to ad-free versions of episodes, a special weekly behind-the-scenes podcast, and patron-only AMA livestreams. Before we get started, this episode contains discussions of sickness and hospitalization, strong elements of character betrayal and manipulation, paranoia, dread, and familial separation. Content warnings and a full transcript are available in the show notes.
3: Dr. Park, a moment. Uh, of course. Have a seat. How did the team take your little pep talk? They. Uh, I haven't been Dr. able to. Dr. Park, do you have control of the situation or not? I haven't sat them down yet. I just can't bring myself to do it. Wren. Have I ever told you why I first joined Isfa? No, you haven't. I didn't have an easy childhood. My parents worked themselves to the bone to provide for my siblings and I... To make sure we had the best education and upbringing possible in a world that didn't want to give it to us. They came home late and exhausted every night for 18 years and long after I left for university. But after so many years of striving, they finally found success. But that success was more fragile than we thought. My parents both began to experience health problems. Small things at first, normal things, until they weren't. I didn't know it, but they had barely put anything away for their retirement when raising us, saving every cent for our tuitions. And when they both began to experience cognitive difficulties, well, they didn't tell me how bad it was. I had to figure that out for myself when they were hospitalized for the third time. By that point, they'd both lost their jobs, ending up beneath a mountain of debt. I'd already taken a management position at ISFA. I could pay for their treatment, just barely. I was happy to do so. They'd given me everything, given everything for me. But they shouldn't have needed to. The world they grew up in, the one I inherited, requires nothing less than perfection from each and every human being just to survive, no matter how sick they are, no matter their circumstances, no matter how much the deck is stacked against them. If you stop performing, if you fall short, you die. The society we've built no longer works for us, if it ever did. I would do anything, anything, to ensure a better future for humankind. Any experiment is worth trying. Any personal sacrifice, anything that eliminates resistance to a future that could reduce, even eliminate, suffering, want, and injustice is worth it. And then there's you.
0: Dana, I didn't- No more
3: excuses, Wren. We've had this conversation before. That team out there- The one that seems more trouble than it's worth most of the time is fracturing. If you don't get a handle on them, I'll be forced to step in. And I don't have time for that. I need you to handle it. And once you do, please inform me of your plan to ensure that they don't take any more secret trips inside or outside of this world without our knowledge. Am I understood? What exactly do you mean by handling it? Dr. Park, if you value your position in this institute, I suggest you listen well. I brought you here because I saw greatness in you. I don't want to lose a promising scientist, and it would be a shame if your talents went to waste. It can be so hard to find work after leaving such a prestigious organization. So think long and hard about all the work you've already done. The time you've spent building this future with us. For the sake of that future. For my parents and your parents and the generations still to come. Handle it.
4: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Jennifer swore she didn't remember that night. She'd been five years old, wandering at the edges of a traveling carnival hiding from someone, someone she knew deep down would keep coming for her. She'd stay in the shadows there, at least until the shadows began to laugh.
6: That's creepy.
2: Honestly, I'm not sure if it's just one of her stories or something that actually happened. She doesn't say.
4: Why are you listening to it out
2: here? Because I thought I'd be alone out here. And because the lights in my room keep malfunctioning, I really didn't feel like listening to this one in the dark.
3: Well,
2: it's probably a good idea. You're telling me. They're sending someone to look at the wiring. Well, um, hey,
4: best of luck. Bill, can you just tell me if they give you a good reason for the blood draw? They're already taking measures
5: began to laugh when her mom found her hours later she was clutching a long dried ice cream stick her shoes were missing and her feet were blistered and raw she didn't talk for months after that not about what happened or what she saw or even how she felt she didn't speak at all and looked terrified when adults asked even the most innocuous questions. She had to be moved into a new program at her school for a while until the fear wore off and she began speaking again. But even after that, Jennifer swore she didn't remember that night. There was nothing in her memories that gave her comfort nor any rational explanation of her newfound fear of ice cream trucks. As she grew up, that fear clung to her. It didn't matter where she was, a random city block, her downtown office, even in her own neighborhood, her own home. The familiar jingles would start as the truck rolled slowly past her and she'd find herself growing restless. Once she crushed a pen in her hand during a meeting and had to hide the ink running through her fingers. Other times, she would be out on a walk when she heard it, her feet cramping so hard at the sound that the pain would shoot up through her lower back. When she tried to bring the subject up to her therapist, they suggested exposure therapy. Just go buy yourself and your kids some ice cream. Maybe then it won't be so bad, they said. Jennifer stopped going to therapy after that if she'd only been more curious if only her mother had been able to show her how to work through her fears hey Sam have you seen Kate if only that therapist had not un- uh, I
2: think she's still in the med lab they, they just wrapped up with the pills tests we'll let her know
6: if you see her Andrew refuses to go to bed without a Kate cuddle I'll try this isn't gonna let up, is it? It's only gonna get more dangerous?
2: Uh, I have... I have... I'm, I'm sorry, I need to get back to... Uh, of
6: course.
5: <sighs> if only that therapist hadn't been such an asshole. Instead, when Jennifer started hearing the music at night, long after any real ice cream truck should have been in the garage she upped her dosage of melatonin bought a state of the art white noise machine and took up yoga to try and calm her mind she figured she could handle it on her own at least until work slowed down a little at least until the kids left for college in a year or two it would have to hey, do hey
2: sam are you, a- you put in a- She's not... You two all right? Uh, Just PG. Sam, what are you doing back there? The lights are out and... Never mind. Oh, uh, Peter was looking for you a while ago. Something about... Kate, Andrew needs you.
0: Oh, right, sure. What was that about? I...
2: really don't know. Family stuff. I was listening to one of Anna's tapes if you don't mind
5: go for it this couldn't last forever for a while it seemed to help but no amount of yoga could silence the panic she felt when the music started following her on her commute when she began seeing the cloying neon ice creams of her childhood show up in the break room mini fridge when it became impossible to avoid the wandering clowns she saw on every corner of the city. When did clowns become part of it? When had there ever been so many clowns here anyway? There had always been a few, street performers and mimes in the parks and birthday clowns waiting for taxis. But these looked so worn down, so tattered. They were everywhere sitting in coffee shops with clumsy makeup smeared across their faces, filling the back of the bus on her way home from work, mowing the lawn across the street. Where had the Hendersons gone? Wasn't that their house? She called her doctor and got something to help with the anxiety and tried to carry on. Until one night, she couldn't. She was restless. The melatonin and the oxy were no longer helping her fall asleep. She felt so floaty, so disconnected, and yet painfully aware of every single sound. Around 2 a.m., she gave up and decided a walk might do her some good. The moon was full and bright. The streetlights barely needed to illuminate the asphalt. A perfect night for a walk. The cold night air hit her lungs, and it felt like early fall, like Halloween, like childhood. And then, in the distance, she heard it. But it was different this time. Low, distorted, the melody warped and dulled like it was playing through water there was an ice cream truck behind her, slowly idling up the road. Its dull, yellowed headlights flashed up and down as it rolled over small divots and bumps left by age and neglect. A smell of acrid diesel fumes rolled down the sidewalk from a shuddering exhaust pipe, almost making her cough. The sound? The sound was nothing short of nightmarish. For no apparent reason, the idea flashed into Jennifer's head that maybe, if she took her shoes off, the sound wouldn't follow her. If she made less noise herself, she could go unseen. So she discarded her shoes. The cold pavement bit at her soles. But the trap crept closer. Why doesn't it go round, she wondered. Then... In an awful flash, the truck turned on its high beams. Her silhouette stretched before her like a marionette swaying unsteadily in the sudden wash of terrible brightness. Without thinking, she crossed into an alley, out of a cul-de-sac and into a wide open field nearby. The pavement gave way to cool, damp earth and yet the music and the headlights still crept along behind her. She could hear the tires now rolling softly and steadily over the soft dirt and grass. There was no way a truck that old and heavy could have made it back here. But she was still too terrified to turn around. Instead, she ran. It couldn't follow her forever, and she'd run that long if she had to. Jennifer's feet were raw, frozen, bleeding. Her hands felt sticky like she'd sunk them into a cotton candy machine. And finally, when she felt like her legs were about to give out, she found herself on the edge of a small wooden pier, looking out at the inky waves of the ocean at nighttime. The lights still blazed behind her, cutting through the dark to reveal the foam and the muck that crested the gentle waves. And then, all the noise stopped... The low, warped melody ceased, fading into the air. The engine and lights cut out. But Jennifer knew she was not alone, as surely as she knew it was finally time to turn around. Slowly, numbly, she took small steps to move her stiff and aching body.
7: "Sam, I need you I to gather need everyone." To see. You need me to what? We need to talk. Either you get them, or I call their rooms. Wren, it's late. Can't this wait until tomorrow? Do as I say! Sam, get everyone up. Now. I don't care if they're sleeping. Wren, what the hell? I literally have no idea how to make this safer than do. I know that. It's just a lot.
6: And then you all disappeared for a few days, and it seemed like you might have been captured or lost, or...
2: I'm so sorry, Kate, but, uh, Ren needs all of us for a minute. It it sounds bad.
0: Sure, I'll be right there. I'm coming too. Great. I hear you. we will talk about this later. Something. Uh, Ren
2: needs Bill for something. He, uh, he wants to talk to us. No. It didn't really sound like it was optional. Too
4: bad. Bill's asleep. If they wanted to talk to him, they had all day to do it. Right, right, uh, of course.
2: Sorry to bother you. Where's Bill? He's already asleep, Ren. You had him in the lab too long already. He's worn out.
4: What the hell is wrong with you people? Ren, what
1: the hell are you doing?
6: Bill is me. <clears throat> what did you do that for?
4: Touch him again, and I will put you on the floor.
7: Bill, would you join me and the others in the ATM?
4: Uh... yeah... Sure. Not alone, you do not.
7: Any of you ever seen 12 million dollars? What it pays for? Kate? No, I didn't think so. Well, actually you have. Look around you. That's what this whole operation has cost ISFA since you arrived. All the expeditions, the stipends, the research and medical support. Not to mention the projects we're actually contracted to do here. Rocketry, AI, bioengineering, a million other things I'm either not allowed to talk about or don't know about because this place is fucking huge! I've tried. So very hard stay friendly with all of you. I wanted to make this transition as easy as I could, but it's just not cutting it anymore. I can't be your friend and your supervisor at the same time, not effectively. And you're endangering the lives and safeties of everyone here, not to mention the work we're doing to try and save the world by not being 100% on board. Like it or not, as long as you're here, You live at the beck and call of Isfa, just like I do. This isn't about you anymore. It never was. This is bigger than your lives, than any of our lives. I only get to see my partner twice a year, if I'm lucky. And half of you have your families living here with you. We have made it so very easy for you to do your jobs. And some of you still just don't get it. The more you keep secrets, the more you sneak around and try to do your own thing, the more you refuse to take initiative and treat the end of the world like the literal existential threat it Wren, is. shut up. I, I'm sorry, Maria, but it's the truth. Maybe it is, but would you be saying anything if Caldwell didn't put you up to this? Dr. Caldwell has nothing to do with this. Yeah, and Anna would be really proud of the person you're turning into. Anna's gone, and I'm not your friend right now. Jesus Christ. Get with the program, everyone. Don't attempt to get out of work when you're on assignment. Don't hide things from myself or Dr. Caldwell. We need to know everything you're experiencing. Observations, dreams, gut feelings, all of it. And no more unauthorized, unnecessary risks. If you can handle those basic rules, then you get to keep your protection in place here at Merriweather. If you don't hold anything back, then neither will we. But this mission is too important to leave room for anything else. Caldwell and I, every single person in this facility, we've given up years of our lives to make this possible. We have a shot at saving the future, at building something better. And quite frankly, your apathy is insulting. The next investigation leaves in two days. If you really can't get on board with what Ispa's trying to do, with saving humanity itself, then I'd rather you pack your bags and leave now.
6: Understood. Can we go back to bed now?
0: Yes. Of course. You're all dismissed.
6: Hun? Um,
0: yeah.
2: friend. if that was your attempt to stabilize things
7: around here... I'm not looking for critique right now, Sam. Oh, fucking shit!
2: You wanna know how they all feel? The hurt
7: and betrayal you just... I don't put. need your powers to see that, same
0: I really, really don't. I'm sorry.
5: Only to see... Herself. The bright macabre of white and red face paints glowed faintly in the moonlight. The rotten green wig half unraveled, exposing her messy hair underneath. And then slowly, slower than she thought possible, she watched her own mouth open wide in a scream of warped melodies. Childish harmonies turned upside down into a hellish, off-tuned drone. The same music she'd been hearing for weeks. For years. Ever since that night so long ago, when some part of her did not return unscathed. The last thing that she saw before she hit the black water below was her own eyes opening wide into a blaze of blinding white light. That followed her all the way to the other side.
6: (sighs) What the fuck, Anna?
4: Everything will be all right, Bill. You know, we'll figure it out.
0: I don't see another way, Peter. I I wish I did, but sticking with Isfa's still what's best for all of us. Saving the world matters for Andrew. For Anna, finding her, it matters.
6: Do you really think that, Rob? Is staying here really what you want? And why didn't you tell me what was happening sooner? What you found, what happened to you? Don't you think I could have helped? Don't you think I wanted to? I I
0: thought you might think I was crazy. I know, it's stupid to think that, but it's what I would have thought before. No. I don't want
4: to stay here. It's like being in an ivory tower underground, trapped in one. Well, I'm sure your knight in shining armor will save you. I don't think I'm the one who needs saving, Bill. This place isn't good for you. They're making you travel, making you face things that... You need rest. A real rest. Not being tested and studied in a lab between missions.
0: Nothing. Nothing is more important to me than you and Andrew. I saw what the world was like without you two in it, and it was... It was unbearable. I need to know you'll both be okay. I can't lose you again. Kate, this
6: obsession with saving everyone... It makes me worried. It's cutting you off from actually being here with us. I think Andrew feels it too. I miss my wife, Kate.
4: The nightmares won't stop if I just leave, Rob. At least here, there there are people who sort of understand what happened to me. People who can help. But is that really what you To go back to the apartment and hide away from Morrison with no income and only Ned for protection? I'll still have the nightmares.
0: You're right. I don't know what to do, Peter. I want... I want so badly to fall asleep against your chest every night. I want to be able to hear your laugh and plan our futures and watch Andrew grow up and make bad kid jokes and see his sleepy sweetness every morning and I want so badly to find Anna I want I need to know that it's possible to come back from something like this and if I find her I'll know it is I'll
4: go anywhere
0: with you, Belle
4: Anywhere, but not here, please. Please, let me take you out of this place. I'll do anything to make it work. I'll, I'll get a job, any job. You need time to heal. Really heal. We both do. <sighs> All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <sighs> I love you. I love you. I love you. (laughs) You know what? I'll make these ISVA creeps keep you on the payroll. If they're so interested in your nightmares, then they can keep hearing about them. For a price.
6: I, I don't think you'll be able to negotiate that before the next mission leaves.
4: Then go on the next mission. Keep yourself safe. Nobody needs to know it's your last until you get back. And if they don't like the deal I'm offering, then we pack up and we leave regardless.
6: Agreed? Agreed. Do you remember what it was like when Andrew was born? Of course. we were so torn up about leaving your job to take care of him. I saw how worried you were about losing that momentum if you quit. And then It still took years of pain to get there. Years? And despite everything, you chose both. You never gave up, and you never asked me to carry anything extra. I wish you had. I wish I didn't have to draw that line in the sand for you to accept that I would take care of Andrew.
0: I never wanted to be a burden.
6: (sighs) You have never for being a burden. I was waiting for you to ask. My only dream is us. All of us. That means I have all the time in the world to make sure we all get what we
0: need. Wait. No. No.
6: I want you to ask, Kate.
0: I can't. This is too big. I'm his mother I I need to be with you with Andrew ask Peter Katie I need you to I need you to take Andrew up to Toronto for a while stay with your Aunt Ruth until until this is over Oh, God, this hurts. I know. I love you. I love you, too. I can't promise you everything's going to be okay, but if it isn't, you'll be the first to know. Promise? Promise. I'll keep in touch as much as I can. I'm going to find Anna. I'm going to figure out how to stop what she saw from happening. Me and whoever else stays when that's done.
6: And when that's done, we'll go back home to Iowa. Or maybe we won't. But wherever we go, we'll be together. And we'll plant a garden. Good night, my love. Mm. Good night, darling. I've got
4: you. He walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies. And all that's
6: best of dark and bright meet in his aspect and his eyes. Are you sure this isn't about having antiques roadshow marathons again?
0: You always say just the right thing.
6: Just the right thing.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Do you think you could stay just a little longer? The next mission's coming up, and I want to come back to my family one last time.
6: One more time, right? One
0: more time.
5: In the bitter waves of woe, beaten and tossed about by the sullen winds that blow from the desolate shores of doubt. When the anchors that faith had cast are dragging in the gale, I'm quietly holding fast to the things that cannot fail.
2: The Sheridan Tapes, Episode 69, The Things That Cannot Fail. Starring Chris Allison as Daniela Caldwell, Sam Taylor as Ren Park, Aaron Neely Chaconis as Anna Sheridan, Jesse Steele as Bill Tyler, Trevor Van Winkle as Sam Bailey, Chris Martin as Robert Quincy, James Kane as Peter Slate, Amitola Lomas as Maria Soul, and Virginia Spots as Kate Sheridan, with original music by Jesse Hogan, Written and produced by Virginia Spots with dialogue editing and sound design by Trevor Van Winkle. Visit thesheridantapes.com to view additional content, rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and connect with us on Twitter at Sheridan Tapes and on Instagram. At the Sheridan Tapes. I'm Trevor Van Winkle, this is Homestead on the Corner, and you're listening to The Sheridan Tapes.